You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. 702. Bongani Bingwa. Wrapping up your day. It is uh, 15 minutes after 5 o'clock. Let's now go to talk to Mar- Mara Glenn, who is, of course, the founder of uh, the Tears Foundation. Uh, Mara, good afternoon to you and thank you for your time. Good afternoon and good afternoon to listeners. Uh, so can you tell us your story, exactly what happened to you 16 years ago and how the system, as it were, dealt with your case? Um, I was a, my husband, uh, who is now late, um, was uh, in the army and he'd learned a number of tactics that were unacceptable. And so when I failed to obey his wishes, um, he waterboarded me and I was very badly hurt. So I went to the police station to report it. And it was a Friday night and they told me to please come back on the Monday because they had no one to assist me. Of course, I didn't have the guts to go back again. Unfortunately, that's what happens often. And it took me a very long time to get well. But when I got well, I decided that I would start a foundation to help other women who'd been hurt or raped so that it it could possibly, with our help, we would try and help as many women as possible so it didn't happen again. Now, as I understand it, uh, the Tears Foundation works off an SMS system. Can you explain uh, exactly what the details are? Yes, the number is star one three four star seven three five five hash. I'll repeat that at the end of the interview. It's a free service and it works on any phone, old or new. You follow the prompts on the phone and you get the three places nearest to you where you can go for help. Is is it your sense that the police are better able to deal with complaints such as the one you had 16 years ago? Or do you think that from the stories you hear from people who contact you, that uh, it's very much uh, the same? I'm, I'm sad to advise you that I think it's very much the same. I just think I, I, we need separate gender-based violence units. And it needs to be different from uh, policing because stopping someone for a, 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 a traffic fine or helping someone because their house has been broken into and dealing with someone who's been abused or hurt is two completely different functions. What are the typical stories that you still hear, Mara? Well, I hear many stories of they wouldn't take my case or I have a, a protection order against me and... Uh, when I phone the police, they don't help me. So what one of our services that we offer is an intervention service where we will actually take it up on that person's behalf and find out why it isn't being actioned. We've just um, put a new facility on our phone service. We've linked in with Nimola, the new uh, app. And um, just between midnight at, uh, last night and 12 noon today, we had 178 calls on that line, just to give you an idea of the volume. So what is uh, that uh, SMS line? How does it work again? It's star? 134 star 7355 hash. 7355 hash.
It's a free service. It's paid for by our, our foundation. So we always are uh, open and, and asking people to help us with funding. We do fall under the CSR funding. So it doesn't matter where you are, how old your phone is, you can phone us for free because we rely on the sponsorship and we return your call for free. And the MOLA that I've mentioned is also a free service. So we help victims without any money being necessary because you may be in a place where you have no money. And Mara, have you been able to find any healing yourself? I must say that I do have healing and I feel happy and I love my life and that's my hope that everybody who uh, has an unpleasant experience receives the healing I have. Mara Glenny, the founder of the Tears Foundation there on the line from Johannesburg, saying uh, if the situation she faced 16 years ago uh, was, uh, if she found herself in that same situation as she was 16 years ago, it might work out exactly the same. What have your experiences been? We hear these campaigns, 16 days of activism, there seems to be this awareness. Um, What are your experiences when you've gone and uh, being, uh, you know, when you've gone to report uh, cases of abuse, someone via SMS is asking what waterboarding is. And it's basically, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible practice used by uh, special forces uh, where they tie you down to a board and you're upside down and they pour water over your head. And the idea of waterboarding is to create a feeling that you are drowning. It's exactly the same feeling you would have. So it's an awful way to torture victims. Uh, and that's exactly what... Uh, uh, we are hearing there that uh, happened as a domestic abuse case there from Mara Glenny, the founder of Tears. And of course, it prompted her to found this organization. I want to know from you, 11 We often have a conversation around why this sort of abuse happens, why it persists. If we accept that it is indeed happening, how do people caught up in it begin to deal with it? That's the conversation I want to have this afternoon. 702. 702. Bongani Bingwa. Wrapping up your day. All right, on the line now is Lisa Vetten, who's, of course, a Mellon doctoral candidate at Wits University. Uh, Lisa, good afternoon to you and thank you for your time. Good afternoon, Bongani. Thanks. Good afternoon to your listeners. So, do campaigns like 16 Days of Activism actually work? They do specific, very limited things. And I think the things that they can do well is alert somebody to the situation, to the fact that what they're experiencing is abusive and that they can and that there may be help out there. Does it transform abusers overnight, make them decide they're going to be better human beings? Does it turn the police force into an effective, kindly, caring institution? No. You need different sorts of strategies that are much more long-term if you want to achieve those sorts of goals. So let's talk about what happens for people who are victims of abuse, Lisa. Often we we have conversations, particularly on stations like this one, about why uh, you know gender based violence is such a, a nightmare in our society, why it persists. Uh, today I want to talk about what do people do when they're caught up in it, and is there adequate support for when people need assistance? So let's start with going to a police station, going to a charge office. Uh, is it your experience that indeed uh, officers are well-equipped to deal with victims when they come forward? You know, it's a little bit of a hit-and-miss experience, unfortunately. So I have certainly heard from women who've gone to the police that they've been treated very well. And then I've also heard stories from very many other women about how appallingly they've been treated, how they've never known what has happened to their case, how they've even been told to leave 
Um, I can think of a case that was heard last year, for example, at the Kel police station where this woman had been raped and her child had been murdered. And initially, the officer would not assist her and said because she was drunk. So he was completely unable to tell the difference between a, trauma, a deeply traumatized woman and somebody he thought was drunk. So he refused to assist her. I mean, that's a very extreme wow. case, but it does tell us about the poor state of some of our policing in relation to domestic violence. And the courts. I mean, you know, we reflect often on uh, many cases where particularly victims, uh, women in this case, are slut-shamed. Is that still a thing that's prevalent? You know, the courts are quite complex, and it's why I think we shouldn't also overlook the role of the police, not just in receiving reports, but also in, in investigating those reports. So, and I'm going to say, what I'm saying next is based on an 18-month research study where a good deal of time was spent sitting in court observing rape trials and interviewing both legal aid attorneys as well as prosecutors. And I think there can be a certain element of um, shaming about what you were doing, but I think what is much more of a concern is the quality of investigation. You don't see evidence being gathered that should be gathered. You don't see witnesses being interviewed. You don't see DNA being analyzed and made available to the court on time. You don't see the doctor coming to court to testify. You see the um, accused's own attorney often playing delaying tactics, perhaps not appearing in court, the case being withdrawn many times. So then the, the accused person asking if they matter be struck off the roll and withdrawn. You see witnesses not being told to come to court on time, so not appearing. You see witnesses who haven't been prepared properly by the prosecutor to testify. And so they get on the stand. prosecutor hasn't spoken to them beforehand, so doesn't know the full story. And suddenly information is being put out, which is not in the statement. That's a gift to a defense attorney. So for the average person, if you are a victim of abuse, if you are a victim of rape, for example, what are the chances that the system is set up in a way that can lead to a successful prosecution or is it that you are the exception to the rule if it gets that far? You are the exception to the rule. I'm going to part of the study looked at a national analysis of all rape, case, of rape cases reported in 2012 and we found that approximately 8.5% of rapes reported to the police actually results in a conviction. So the at least sure. half don't even result in an arrest. And here we must ask police about the quality of the investigation in strange arrests. And probably only about 18% actually make it to trial. So you can see there's a whole lot of slippage that happens along the way, which is a, lot, a lot of which is about time, skill, competence, etc., that we need to fix in addition to looking at things like attitudes. So it's a small wonder then, Lisa, that many victims simply try to pick up the pieces of their lives on their own and find other ways to deal with it but uh, go to law enforcement agencies. Lisa Vetten there, the Maryland doctoral candidate at Wits University, telling us 8% of all complaints lead to a conviction. It's small wonder that the perpetrators think they can get away with it because it seems like they can.